What's up, 9 a.m.? How are you guys doing this morning? You guys doing well? Fantastic, fantastic. Hey, my name is TJ, and I'm one of the pastors here. We're glad that you are with us today as we're beginning a brand new series today called Run. And uh, this is what I know is that all of us are called to run some races in life, and I believe that God has got an incredible called for every single one of our lives. And, and, and I love this time of year, uh, particularly because uh, school's starting tomorrow. Anybody know that school's starting tomorrow? Uh, that's like every parent right now is really excited for that. Um, you, you heard one of them. Apparently, he's really excited about school starting tomorrow. It means he gets a break from his kids for a little bit. And some of us, some of us maybe, maybe that's, that's a sad thing. But I'm telling you, it, for, for all of us, this season coming up, I believe that God has got some incredible things in in store for all of us. And I believe that this season of life, the one thing about the beginning of a school year is that it always kind of refocuses what you're doing and why you're doing it and how you're doing it. It sets some schedules and some paces to your life. And, and I think that that's an incredible thing for all of us. And partly because in that song that they, that they just sung there, uh, Just Like Fire by the artist Pink, she starts off by, going, by saying, we're all running out of time. Whether we realize it or not, there is an end time to everything. Just like there's a beginning to everything, there's an end to everything as well. And so I think it's important for all of us to make the most of the time that we have in this life and in this, this season of our lives. And so as we're beginning this series and as we're thinking about that, that we got to remember that this idea of time is a limited commodity. So what are we going to do with our time? How are we going to utilize our time to achieve all the things that I believe that God has called us to? And what I believe that God has called every single one of us to is to run our race in life. And your race is not my race, and my race is not your race. But we all have a race in life that we are intended to run. And I don't believe that God just wants us to run our race. I actually really believe that God wants us to win our race. Now, I, I've discovered in life there are two types of people. There are people that, that play games for fun, and there are people that play games to win. How many people play games for fun out there? Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you play games for fun. Okay. Uh, how many people play games to win? Where are my people at? There you are. Okay. Um, I don't understand the people that play games for fun. Like that makes no sense to me. If I'm going to play a game, like I want to win. I don't care what it is. I can make a game out of anything. You, you crumble up a piece of paper. It's a three point shot. Three, two, one. You know, I'm going to make a game out of that thing. And, and I'm going to play that game until I make that shot. Why? Because I want to win. Anybody else feel me there? Anybody else like that? Like we can just, we, like we can make that happen. In fact, a couple of years ago when we first moved here, uh, I had a friend of mine that asked me to coach Little Stinger Soccer, which is the Coconut Creek Soccer League. And I was coaching four, five, and six-year-olds. And now in the four, five, and six-year-old division, um, they don't keep score. Like that's part of the thing. They're just supposed to be playing for fun. Well, who teaches a kid to play for fun? I mean, we, I like, like my team, I had like, three little boys and three little girls. It was like four on four soccer on uh, like the size of this stage. Like I was like, my little kids, our practices, I was teaching them to slide tackle. And uh, like, I was like, listen, if you know how to slide tackle, what that means is if somebody's going towards your goal, you just go and you trip them. Okay. <laughs> what that means is that they won't score. And if they don't score, you know what that means? That means we win. 
And so every game, man, anybody took off towards our goal, our kids went and tackled them. Like they just, the other parents are like, what's going on with it? What's wrong with this team? I'm like, yeah, we're winning. We're winning. Come on, guys. Come on, guys. I know that that might be, you're like, that's a pastor. Yeah, man, because I, I like to win, okay? I, I'm a competitive person. I don't, need, I don't care if I'm not even playing. I still want to win. Like my team had better win that game. And so I, I think for all of us in life, Deep down inside, we all want to win in our life. And the Bible talks a lot about this idea of running a race. And it's, it's this analogy that's all throughout Scripture that the life we are called to live is a life that we are running a race in. And I believe that God's desires for every single person is that we would run in such a way that we would win. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. He's saying, listen, there's, there is a race that is before every single one of us in life. Whether we recognize we're in a race or we don't, that does not disqualify you from the fact that you are in a race. And not only are you in a race, but there is a beginning of that race and there is an end of that race. And I believe that God wants us to keep focus on Jesus so that we can win that race. And, and the question for all of us is, should be like, how do I win in life? How does God view success and what does that look like? Because success for me is going to look a little bit different than success for you. And su su success for you is going to look a little bit different than success for your neighbor that's sitting next to you. But God wants us to run in such a way that we win, that we finish this race. And so the question is, is how do we run this race and finish it in such a way that we win? And I believe that this passage of scripture gives us three really, really broad ideas of the way that we should run. And if you're taking notes uh, inside your worship guide, there's a, a set of notes that'll have all the scripture and everything on it. And there's some fill in the blanks. There are three ways that I believe that all of us should run if we are going to run to win in this race of life. And the first one is this, is we have got to learn to run freely. We've got to learn to run freely. And, 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 and I've loved the Olympics. Anybody been watching the Olympics every night? Like, I am totally addicted to it. I'm so sad that, like, today is kind of the last day of the Olympics because that's been my routine. I go home at night, late at night, and I watch all the highlights, and I, I watch America just d dominate everybody, which is the best thing in the world. I'm, I'm a huge, like, I'm all for America and us winning the most medals. Like, we destroy China by, like, 40 medals. Come on, somebody. I'm sorry if you're, if you're a China fan. Uh, we're better, okay? That's true, like we won. Uh, <laughs> it's terrible. I can't help. I'm, I'm, I'm so full of American pride right now. Like I've loved, except for Ryan Lockie, he can, he can go away. Uh, but <laughs> made us look bad. Um, I've noticed that in the Olympics, particularly the running portions, that all of the people that are running the races in the Olympics, 
None of them are dressed up like in jeans and some boots and a fur coat. Like, did anybody else see, see them running like that? No, nobody saw anybody running like that. Nobody saw them running in like uh, ski outfits. Nope. Why? Why not? Like, well, you could run in a ski outfit, but, but the question is, why would you? It would, it would hinder you, right? It would keep you from running the best possible race, the fastest possible race. So when you looked at runners, every single time that they were running, they were wearing like the least amount of clothing possible, right? Because they were trying to make sure that they didn't have anything impeding their running style. In fact, you would look at their shoes. I was checking out Usain Bolt's shoes since he's so fast, uh, and, you know, and basically there's some spikes and a little piece of leather, and that's about it. Like, there's nothing to his shoes. They're not very substantial. Why? Because the heavier they are, the slower he's going to run. He was trying to do everything within his power to make himself as light as possible, as free as possible, so that he could run his best possible race. Well, the same thing is true in our lives. A lot of times we're coming up against obstacles. We're coming up against opposition. We're coming up against difficulties in life that are hindering us from running the best possible race. And they they end up becoming some barriers to us running at the best possible speed necessary and the best possible pace. In fact, the Bible refers to two particular areas that have a tendency to hurt us from running at a great distance or a great pace. And, he, and Paul kind of, they say that this was written by Paul. They're not really sure. Some people say, Luke, we're, we're just going to go with Paul because he, he, he was a good writer. And so uh, he, he comes down to two things. He says, listen, there are the weights that hold you down. And the weights that hold you down could, could be anything in life. And I've learned this recently because I, I'm a CrossFitter. I love to go to CrossFit. And one of my favorite things to do is when I run, and, and running is one of my favorite activities. You can, one of my coaches is back here. He's shaking his head yes because he knows like anytime there's a running competition, I'm like, yes, I'm going to beat everybody because that's my, that's my jam right there. That's like where I excel. Like you can be stronger than me, but I'm going to out-hustle you every single day. And so to make it more competitive, I like to wear a weighted vest. And so I'll throw on this 25-pound vest that we have there at the box, and I'll take off running. And about three weeks ago, uh, we, we, we had this, this, the start of our, our wad that day was a mile run. And, and he kind of took everybody off before I got the vest on, and so I was running a little bit behind. And so without even thinking about it, I just threw the vest on and kind of strapped it on really fast. And I took off running as hard as I'd ever run in my life. And I'm trying to chase down this entire group of people that have got an advantage on me because they took off before me. And so I end up running these people down. I, I finish in 7 minutes and 13 seconds with a 25-pound vest on from mile, mile running. When I get inside, man, I strip this vest off and I fall to the ground and I can't catch my breath for like the next 10 minutes. Like I am so worn out and I'm like, man, I don't know what's wrong. I, I said to, to Tarzan, who's my coach, I go, man, I don't know what's wrong. Like this is, this is so killing me today. Like I can't catch my breath. In fact, three days later, I was still like waking, getting up and feeling dizzy and I couldn't, my body just couldn't recover. And I was like, man, what is the deal? I run with this all the time. And then about a week ago, I went off on another run in one of our wads. And when I got back, the owner of the box was there and I came back from this run and I couldn't run people down. And I was like, man, this is the first time ever that I was not able to catch people on my run. 
Like I couldn't run them down. And the box owner goes, how's that vest doing? And I said, man, it's like, it's like I'm slower than normal. Like what's going on? He goes, oh, I forgot to tell you, I added 15 more pounds to the vest. <laughs> and so it's not 25 pounds anymore, it's 40 pounds. And I'm like, you joker, like seriously? Like I've been running and I've been, I've been beating myself up at home because I think I'm getting slower and people are getting faster than me. Like I learned a valuable lesson there. Like weights are great for training but terrible for performance. And a lot of us are running with weights in life and we're trying to perform. They're great for getting us ready for performance but they're not the thing that we should be running with. Like when we're running our race of life, the Bible says, hey, listen, you got to shed those things off. And all of us have some different things that are slowing us down. Notice that the weights can be anything. They can be good things. They can be bad things. It, it isn't saying that it's, it's like a sin. It could be a very, very good thing. It could be that you're adding too much to your schedule that are good things, but they're not the right things. It could be how you're managing your finances. Not that it's a bad thing, but is that the best way? It could be some relationships that you have that are hanging around in your life right now that could be weighing you down from becoming the person that God has called you to be. It could be an unrealistic expectation that comes from some peer pressure or some need to please somebody else. It might be the fact that you're stuck in your past and you keep going back and you're picking your past up and trying to bring it into your present. And I, I've just found that a lot of times what happens is, is, is a lot of us trying to keep recycling things that God is trying to replace in our life. And we keep picking these things up, and, and what he's encouraging us to do is he's, hey, he's saying, hey, listen, you need, to, you need to strip that weight off. Because when you strip that weight off, when you get rid of that stuff, all of a sudden those things that were hindering you, now all of a sudden are going to start to help you because you're going to be able to run so much faster and so much longer than you ever could before. He says not only is it the weights that hold us back, but a lot of times there is sin that is easily tripping us up. And I love how he phrases that. He says, man, there's this easy stuff that keeps tripping us up. And, and for some reason in our culture, we have made this word sin a bad word. It's like, oh, you can't say sin. We call that a mistake. I, I, I just made a mistake. No, no, no. You sin. See, sin literally means missing the mark. So when you miss the mark in life, you know what you do? You don't make a mistake. You sin. And a lot of us, it's really easy to justify our sins. Well, you don't understand my context. You don't understand my situation. No, no, I do understand your context. I do understand your situation. In fact, the Bible says this in James 4, 17. Anyone who knows the good he ought to do in life and doesn't do it sins. See, a lot of us know the things that are tripping us up. We just make an intentional decision not to change those things. And we can even see them coming up in our life. And instead of avoiding those things, instead of getting away from them, we just run right into them and we wonder why we stumble and we fall. In fact, there's uh, a couple of weeks ago, 
we, we have this ottoman around our couch at home, and we have a tendency at our house when we get there, uh, people that have been to our house, like, you just kick off your shoes around, like, our couch and just throw them down. And Shayla has this tendency to kick her shoes off, particularly wedges. I don't know what it is about a wedge shoe, but it is just, like, a great, uh, like, weight on the ground. And so she'll kick off her shoes, and she'll start to build up a pile in this particular area where she likes to sit at our house. And, and, and people that have been to our house, they, they've probably actually seen that pile. That's why they're smelling. They're smiling right now because it's, it's probably smelly too. Uh, and what will happen is, is I get up really early in the morning and, and I'll be getting up and I'm kind of groggy in the morning. And so I, I don't use our, our bathroom in our, our, our uh, room because I don't want to wake her up. So I'll get up and I'll, I'll kind of cut through the living room to go to our guest bathroom. And as I'm cutting through, where she happens to take off her shoes uh, happens to be like right in that pathway. And so almost every morning, I'll like run into those shoes and like stub my toe or trip. And, and like I get so angry. Anybody ever stubbed their toe? Is that not like the most like angry feeling in the world? Like you just want to, you want to kill something in that moment. You're like, oh, put this table here. And you're like, I did. Okay. Uh, it's just like, it's the worst thing in the world. And so like, I'll trip over this and I'll be like, dang it, Shayla, why don't you put your shoes away? And I'll just step over them and go to the bathroom and come back. And then the next day I'll do the exact same thing. Like, I did this six days in a row before I finally picked up her shoes and put them away for her. But how many of us go through life and we just keep doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results? We're running this race and we're like, man, why do I keep stumbling? Well, you can't still keep doing the same stupid thing over and over and over again and you know better. Like, you know what you should be doing, but you don't do it. You know what? You should change because it's not like we don't know what those sins are. Like all of us can look at our life and go, this is where I stumble all the time. I, I look at, I stumble with pride all the time. You want to know what trips me up? The thing that's going to 99.9% .9 of the time trip me up is going to be pride. What's it for you? What is the thing that you need to get rid of in your life? So that it goes on to say, so that we can run this race with endurance. In other words, with this perseverance. And a lot of times we think of perseverance as having this strong will, but perseverance a lot of times is having a strong won't. I'm not going to continue doing those things in life. I'm not going to continue to hinder myself when we serve a God who has freed us from all of these things. The question is, is while God has freed us from those things, will we actually live in freedom? Second thing is we need to run focused. So we need to run freely. And then number two, we need to run focused. He says this in verse two. He says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. And what I found is what gets your focus in life always gets your attention. And, and whatever you're focused on, on ultimately always determines where you're going to end up in reality. And so when, when you get focused on your distractions, when you get focused on your problems, you end up worrying about those problems. Those problems end up consuming your mind. And what happens is, is we start worrying and what happens is when we start worrying, we start worshiping the problem because that's what's getting all of our affection. That's what's getting all of our attention. That's what's getting all of our adoration in life. 
And God hasn't called us to worship our problems. He's called us to worship him. And the problem is, is that we have a focus problem. And when your problems become the front and center of your life, it becomes the filter for everything you see. So you put a problem in front of you, everything you see is through the context of that filter. And what this scripture is saying is it's saying, man, you need, to, you need to change your filter. Your filter needs to be Jesus Christ. And if you put Jesus Christ as a filter of your life, you're not going to see problems everywhere. You're going to see opportunities everywhere. You're going to see through a different lens and a different filter. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 4.18, he says this, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. What's seen in life? It's the money we don't have. It's the education we haven't received. It's, it's the uh, resources that were not allocated to us. It's the opportunities that don't look like they're there right in the moment. Those are the things that are seen. He said, but what's unseen? And the problem is, is we have a perspective problem that is limited by what we see on this earth. Which keeps us from recognizing that we have this unlimited, invisible resource and power called our Heavenly Father in Heaven. That's got all the power, all, all, the, all the confidence, all the hope that we need in our life. But we focus all of our attention on what's right in front of us. And the Bible tells us right there that what's right in front of us is temporary. It's there for a moment. That's why God says we need to put our focus on him. In fact, in Isaiah it says, You will keep in perfect peace all those who trust in you, whose thoughts are fixed on you. You want to know why some people can go through hell and it does not impact them one bit? Because their focus isn't on hell. Their focus is on eternity. Their focus isn't on the moment. It's, it's that these light and momentary troubles are but for a moment. Their focus is somewhere way beyond the momentary things that they're facing right now. In fact, not too long ago, there's, there's a lady that comes and volunteers a ton in our office. She's absolutely incredible. Um, and, and just... just God has given her so much talent, so many opportunities, so many things. Uh, but for a long time in life, she always focused on what wasn't possible. Like she looked at things and, and while there might be a, an amazing opportunity there, she would look at like, well, here's all the things that could go wrong. Like her, she was naturally pessimistic in life. You, anybody ever met somebody like that? You're like, you're so amazing. Why can't you see it? And so like one day we're sitting in the office and, and, and no matter what's going on, I always go in there and I, I give her a hard time because that's just kind of how I am. And, and so we're sitting in our offices and her phone starts ringing and this like cartoon song keeps popping up on it. And I'm like, what the heck? Is who, who has that stupid ringtone? And it's, it's like, uh, call me, beat me, something like that. It's like, um, it's call me, page me. If you want to beat me, I'm Kim Possible. Any of you guys ever seen, ever seen the, the, the TV show Kim Possible? If you got little kids, you, you might have seen it. It's about this, this lady that can do the impossible. And, and I was like, I walked out, and her name happens to be Kim. And I'm like, Kim, wh what is that ringtone? And she goes, you know what? For so often, I see what isn't possible. I decided I'm going to refocus, and every time I hear this, it's going to remind me that anything's possible. 
And so we renamed her Kim Possible. And so her new name is Kim Possible. Um, But it's a great thing for us. Like, what do we need to do to get refocused in life? What are we fixing our attention and our eyes on? Are we fixing them on the problem? Are we fixing them on the walls that we're coming up against? Because let, let's be honest, all of us are coming up against problems. All of us are coming up against walls. It's how we face those problems and those walls that determines how we end up in life. When we hit the wall, do we just sit down and just quit? Or do we figure out a way to go under, over, around, through that wall? And what determines whether we do or whether we don't is what we focus our attention on. And right here, he's encouraging us as we're running our race, get focus. And number three there, we need to run to the finish. We got to run to the finish. It says, let us run with endurance. And I found that, that people are great at starting things, but not quite as great at finishing them. Even in my own life, I found that I'm a great starter. Like I can start a project, but following through to the end, that's a lot harder, isn't it? It takes some perseverance. It takes some endurance. It takes some, some wherewithal to fight through the difficulties in those moments. And what I've found is if you don't find a pace to how you start, because a lot of people start off, they start off with a bang, full on. But that pace is not sustainable. They're going to find something where they can continue on. In fact, I found this this quote by Lance Armstrong. He says, pain is temporary. It may last a minute, an hour, a day, or a year, but eventually it will subside and something else will take its place. If I quit, however, it lasts forever. Lasts forever. I don't believe that God has called us just to start a race. I believe that he's called us to finish it. That's why the the writer of Hebrews says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. If you were to actually go and dig into the, the original Greek right there, it actually means the alpha and the omega, which is the beginning and the end. So God is not only a starter of things, God is a finisher of things. And the reason we keep our eyes on on Christ is because aren't you glad that Christ just didn't start it by coming to earth, but he finished it when he went to the grave and defeated death and defeated hell and rose back up again so that we could have life and we could have it more abundantly. Like he could have just been like, man, this is too hard down here. I'm just going to chill. But he didn't. You know what he did? He finished his race. One of my favorite stories of the Olympics is of a guy named Derek Redmond. And uh, many of you guys have heard the story. It's, it's played almost every single Olympics, the race that he ran. Uh, and, and Derek Redmond was a British runner. He ran the 400-meter uh, run. He was the British world record holder multiple times over in 1988 in the Seoul Korea Olympics. He was one of the favorites to win the gold. And right before his initial qualifying uh, race, the first race of the 400 Olympics, he blew out his Achilles. Can you imagine, actually 90 seconds before the race, when they go out there and they start in the blocks and just get going, you know, just getting ready, he blew his Achilles out. Years and years and years of training down the tube. Over the next year, he had eight surgeries trying to recover from that Achilles injury. 
Can you imagine spending eight years of your life trying to recover from the very thing you were called to do? As he started to recover, he started to, to regain speed. And he said in his mind, you know what? In 1992, at the Barcelona Spain Olympics, I'm going to run the 400 and I'm going to win. They arrived in Barcelona, him and his father, Jim. And the very first day of the 400 meters, his dad and him went to breakfast and they talked about all the difficulties that he had been through, the years of training, the devastating injuries that would have sidelined any other runner for the rest of their life. And in his story, he, he says, you know, my dad and I, what we decided that, that morning is not only were we going to run this race, but we we're going to finish this race. We we're going to finish to what we set out to do. And in the first heat, he annihilated the competition. His heat, he actually had the, first, the fastest time of qualifiers in the first round of the, the race. In the quarterfinals, he blew away his entire heat. Going into the semifinals, he was, he was on a roll. I mean, everybody was saying like, hey, he is, he is the favorite to win. In fact, when the 400-meter race started, man, he, he had the best time out of the blocks he had ever had. And running around the 100-meter mark, he was ahead of everybody else. In fact, the commentators, if you were to watch the video, they're like, and, and, and Redmond is ahead of everybody else, and... He hits 150. Right in the turn. And his hamstring snaps. And he goes from winning the race to laying on the ground. Bawling his eyes out. Writhing in pain. And in that moment, he remembers the conversation with his dad. We came to finish our race. And he stands up and he starts hobbling along, along the track, 250 meters away. All the runners have already finished at this point. He's hobbling. Race officials are coming out and telling him he's done, and he just keeps going. He isn't letting anybody defer him. And, and in the, in, right in that moment, they're, they're scanning the crowd for his dad. They knew where his dad was sitting, but his dad is not sitting there because his dad is running through security, busting through them to his son. And he grabs his son, and his son just puts his head in his shoulder and starts bawling his eyes out. And this is what Jim says to his son. He says, son, we're going to finish this race together. And for the next 100 meters, Jim walks into the finish line. Right at the finish line, he lets go of him so he can cross the finish line and end his race. It's one of my favorite moments in the Olympics. Every time I, I, I think about that story, For me, the greatest image isn't Derek's courage to continue to run. The greatest image is the fact that he had a father that was there for him in his greatest moment of need. 
And what we forget when we're running our race, when we're coming up against a hurt or an obstacle, we feel like we're all alone out there. What we fail to realize is that we have a heavenly father who runs out of the stands and runs down to the track and grabs hold of us. And he goes, you know what, son or daughter, we're going to finish this race. You don't got to quit. I've got you right here. Let's, come on, let's go. Let's make it to the finish. He never leaves us to run alone. Rather, he gives you everything that you need to cross the finish line and claim victory for your life. See, Derek understood the call of his life was to run. Didn't matter what obstacles came his way, didn't matter what walls he came up against, he always redirected his attention towards accomplishing the goal. And while he didn't win an Olympic medal, he did finish his race. There's not a single person in here that I believe that can remember who won the 1992 gold medal in the 400. But every single person remembers Derek Redman. Because one moment, one choice defined his legacy. He chose to finish the race that was set before him. See, it isn't about finishing at first. It isn't about finishing last. It's about finishing your race. Don't give up on your race because you have a God who has not given up on you. And this whole idea of run brings us to this, this question that we all have to ask ourselves. And really, in fact, it requires that we ask this of ourselves. Run requires to ask ourselves, are you in? Are you in? Are you in the race? Let's pray. Father God, we come before you. And I thank you that you've given every single one of us a race to run in life. Some of us, we're, we're running a race that's going after our ideals and all these different things and we found that a lot of times the things that we're running after when we achieve them they come up very very empty in life because that isn't what we're designed to run after we weren't designed to run after the race that we set for ourselves we are designed to run after the race that you set before us and maybe you're out there today and you you've never even known that there was a race set out for you Maybe you didn't know that there was a God that loved you so much that he sent his son 2,000 years ago so that you could have life and have it more abundantly. It was through Jesus Christ. And maybe today the, the question of are you in has to do with the fact of do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? I'm not talking about rules. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about a relationship with God. The God, the creator of the universe, wants to know you. And he's asking, are you in? And it's really easy how you get in. You, you accept him for what he did on the cross. You allow him to forgive you of your sins. You repent of those things. You free yourself of those things. 
and he'll come into your life and change you forever. Maybe for others of you, it's you're in the race, but there are some things impeding you. There are some obstacles in your way. Maybe it's the weights that you're holding on to. Maybe it's the sin that's easily entangling you today. And maybe today is the day that you need to rid yourself of some of those things. I'm going to have Pastor Steve come and pray for you as you all keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed.